Hello, everyone, and welcome to Of Slippers and Spindles. I'm Cassie. I'm Drew. How you doing, Drew? I'm okay. How are you? I'm also okay. Yeah, ever since the pandemic started, like a year and a half ago now, that is my standard answer, is I'm okay. And as things have progressively gotten worse for me, I've continued to just be like, I'm okay. Because you know what? That pretty much covers it. Yeah, so I get to go spend money on books tomorrow, so that's exciting. That is exciting. I'm jealous. I always love spending money on books. I know. TikTok introduced my coworker and I to the fact that in Dayton, Ohio, which is not that far from where we live, uh, there is a $1 book warehouse Ooh. where all of the books are $1. Now, I have been told by a date night Daytonian. <laughs> Daytonian, I think, yeah. <laughs> someone someone who lived, who is from Dayton. I've been told by a friend of mine who who grew up in Dayton uh, that it's it's not as impressive as you want it to be. Mm, yeah, I imagine it's a lot of like old, not exciting old books. Old paperback. Like, Some old books it, are exciting, but I imagine like the dollar store is probably not that great. Yeah, and so... She t- she warned me that there's not a lot of organization. You kind of have to like root through things. Um, but there's also a half price books in Dayton. So if we don't have much luck at the $1 book warehouse, we will have lots of luck at half price books because I of love course. half price books. Yeah, yeah. I um, have never been to one until I moved to St. Louis. And there's a bunch of them here and one not far. So it's like a new experience for me going to half price yeah. books. And we've uh, each got, like, boxes of stuff to go trade in. That's good, because my next question slash teasing of you was going to be, do you not have enough books on your bookshelf, Cassie? I never have enough books on my bookshelf, Drew. Okay, do I own... Do I own every anonymous pen pal novel ever written yet? No, I don't. Therefore, there's room to be spared um now so listen i have i have a spreadsheet <laughs> that is the inventory of my books that i own i made an inventory of my books you during know. quarantine as well i need to update it and there is a page of that spreadsheet that is books i want to own mm, and okay. so it's it's a list of the titles that i want to acquire and the author and then what edition of them i want to acquire if it matters oh, wow. so there's Is a lot mostly- of i want <laughs> listen i want series on my shelves to match that okay i understand i understand that makes sense so it's it's like i i need a, this book but i need specifically like this paperback edition because that's what all of yes. the rest of the series that I own is. And so that is a very helpful spreadsheet for me to have at my fingertips when I go to someplace like Half Price Books. Mm-hmm. Because then I've got a, like a checklist that I'm looking for. Is this mostly like classics that you want to own? Or is it mostly like matching up like series, like you said? Uh, it's a little bit of, of both. And mm. it's it's books that I've read like from the library that I like enough that I'm going to reread them. In the future, yeah. so I'd like okay. to own a copy. Yeah. Um, because I recently got into TikTok and started making book reviews on TikTok. Yes. I haven't for a while because I've been moving. Um, but I'm not, like, I don't understand these book reviewers on TikTok who are, like, constantly going to the bookstore and dropping, like, $50 on these brand new hardcovers and bringing them home. And I'm like, I don't have the income for that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are considered influencers so i think they get discounts and free books and stuff like that but i have a love-hate relationship with book talk like sometimes i'm that's fair i'm on there and i'm like yes i'm enjoying this i love hearing people's opinions but most of the time i'm just like Ugh. it's like, the same uh, like five books over and over again a lot over if i see one more person look i enjoyed red white and royal blue i enjoyed the song of achilles these are good books but there are many other books out there. Yeah. So I have to, like, I bargain shop for books. We've got a used bookstore in my town um, that I can occasionally find some neat things at. Barnes and Noble's clearance shelves are like chef's kiss. I love mm-hmm. them because they they will take books down to like 3 or $4 a piece. 
Um, and I can usually get things like a year or two after they've come out from those shelves for pretty cheap. So I bargain hunt, which is why I love half price books and why I'm excited about the $1 book warehouse. Even if I don't find a lot, it'll be kind of cool to look through. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we started, I just wanted to take a moment to, I guess, apologize for my voice lately. Uh, Like I know, uh, it's just, um, as I've been editing the episodes and I hear myself back, I'm like, oh man, I am not talking as nearly as clearly as I was before. And I was never a super clear talker to begin with. And just, I think the, everything I've been going through with my health over the past six months or so has really just like deteriorated my voice. And unfortunately in a podcast, voice is the medium that we're dealing with here. So, um, I'm going to do my best to, I've been like drinking teas and, doing like oh, the vocal exercises that we used to do when we were in theater when we were kids. I sang a bunch of Mommy Made Me Mash My M&Ms this morning. So like I'm trying to work my voice back up to being, you know, stronger. But, uh, you know, for now, we just have to deal with it. I think the listeners, I hope the listeners are happy enough to have us back that they don't mind. I hope so, too. I mean, the whole point of this is just to have fun anyway. That's always just been the point of it for me and you. So, you know. Yeah. So if you're listening and you do mind, keep it to yourself because we don't care. (laughs) That's okay either way. Uh, I understand if you're annoyed by my weaker voice. But anyway. Yeah. So let's let's talk about a book. Let's talk about specifically. Let's talk about Red by Liesl Shirtliff. I enjoyed this book. I have now read all four of Liesl Shirtliff's middle grade fairy tale novels. I think this is my second favorite. I think Grump is going to hold number one for me. Um, But this one was really good. I liked this one a lot. I liked it because there are so many fairy tales. There are so many. There are so many. Like it is predominantly Little Red Riding Hood. But there are so many others. Yeah. Yeah. Like plugged in here and there throughout. And I, I like the richness that that kind of lends the world. Mm-hmm. And I like recognizing some of the more obscure ones like, oh, I know what story that is. Yes. Yeah. So as we go, of course, we will we will point them out. We'll mention here and now, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. So if you want to read Red by Liesl Shirtliff before you listen... Go for it. Um, it's a pretty easy read. I think we we both each read it in a single sitting. Yeah, it did not take me very long. It's middle grade. It's not super complex. So it reads pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, the story is like the plot itself is actually kind of complex, but the writing itself is very simple. So you can follow yeah. along with where they're going pretty easy. Yeah, so we meet in the first chapter, we meet Red, and we're kind of introduced to this idea that in this world, your name kind of directs your destiny, in a way. Yeah, so this is something that is like a a theme throughout these books, and I don't think it holds true. (laughs) Like, like I think she tries to, to make that connection, but it never quite works. I, yeah, I wish she'd done a little bit more with it. I think it could have been more solidly implemented. Yeah, I actually think Red is maybe the one that does it the best because she's got little connections where like, so Granny is the Witch of the Woods and Granny can perform magic. And Red has inherited that ability, but she's not really good at it. And the one thing that she is really good at is fire magic. So like there's that kind of connection with the color Red And a character's remark, I think in this book, and definitely in Rump, because Red appears in Rump as well, that like, she's, she has a bad destiny, or like, you know, her name implies that like, you know, the color red is the color of fire and hatred, kind of. And so like, she's seen as like, this person who's marked for like a bad destiny. And it's like, okay, I kind of see it. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think if you're going to set that up as the premise for your world, I really want to see you go there. And I don't feel like she ever goes there. That's fair. That is fair. But we meet we meet Goldilocks later on and she's named Goldie. So she's got like a connection to 
finding things that are golden, which is a little right. Like I, I, I get where she's like, going with it. I, I totally get where she's going. I just feel like she never gets there. Okay, that's fair. And I haven't read the other two, so I don't know how well this I think carries a, over. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea, especially for a fairy tale world. Mm-hmm. Like if you got to Cinderella, which she never wrote a Cinderella book, but you could see how like her name is Cinderella. So she was destined to end up as this cinder character who ends up with ella like the end of her story and the end of her name is her being you know this very famous feminine icon like i think that could be interesting but i don't know that's fair anyway but yeah we're we're introduced to this character and her grandmother and she has this magic and she always really wanted to be able to do magic like her granny could but it always goes wrong and Mm -hmm. She gets disheartened and then one time her spell goes wrong and she actually ends up hurting her grandmother. And at that point, she's like, nope, I'm done. I'm never using magic again. It's not worth it. I can't do it right. I just hurt people. So no more magic for me. Yeah, that's right. Um, So she one day is like going to see Granny and she meets a wolf and she can sense that there's like a complexity to this animal. She's got this connection to him, but she can't quite articulate what it is or why. Yeah, early on, like in the first chapter or two, Liesel Shirtliff does a really good job of setting up some of these key elements of Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got this whole thing with Red has this connection to animals. She can understand what they're, the meaning behind the sounds that they make. So it's not really yes, like talking yeah. to them exactly, but like she can hear them and she can understand them. So she can hear the wolf talk to her, but she can also hear like the birds and the squirrels. Yes, so that yeah. kind of sets up this question of like, how does, how do we incorporate the talking wolf? I love what she's done with this path through the woods. So mm-hmm. it's not like don't stray from the path. It's don't stray from your path. Little Riding Hood has a magic path that guides her through the woods safely to her grandmother's. And it's a spell. Right. So it's, a, yeah, yeah. It's a path that like no one else can see it unless they're with Red. Yeah. And I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very creative and, and comes in in a cool way at the end Mm -hmm. that I really like. Yeah. Yeah. And when she gets to granny, so like she's walking on the path to get to her grandmother's house. She encounters this wolf. She gets to granny's and there's a wolf in the bed. Oh no. And she asks the questions and I'm reading this. and I'm going, this is really early. This is like chapter two. Yeah. And she's asking, she asked the questions like (laughs) you have big eyes, what big eyes you have, what big claws you have. And it turns out it's her grandmother wearing a wolf disguise yes which she apparently does frequently to scare away people who come to visit her who she doesn't want to talk to which let me just say that's a mood (laughs) it's a whole mood it's a very creative way of using this element of the story it's something i don't think i've ever seen anybody else do off the top of my head like Red gets there and she knows this is Granny. Like the whole what big eyes you have, what big ears you have is like a dialogue that is like an in-joke between them. It's not genuine. She knows it's Granny. Yeah. And so one of my questions is like, you need to explain to me why you regularly, if you can't tell the difference between a wolf and a nightgown and your grandmother, you need to explain to me why your grandmother's regularly covered in fur. And here she has. And I love yep. it. It's beautiful. Absolutely lovely. Great example. So yeah, yeah, so it's Granny. She's in bed. She's not feeling well. And her magical cure-all potion has run out. Mm-hmm. And the recipe is written on the table. So Red looks at this recipe and is like, I'm going to go get these ingredients so that I can save you and make you healthy again. And uh, so that's what she sets out to do. Granny gives her her red cape because we learn here at the beginning that Granny is actually Rose Red from the fairy tale Snow White and Rose Red. Which I love. And so she's got this red cape. Yep, she's got this red cape. Her sister is named after the Queen Snow White who happened a couple centuries Which ago. Which I also love. Uh-huh. Yep. So she wear, she had a white cape. Rose Red had a red cape. They believe that part of their magic is stored in these capes. And so she gives Red her red cape to wear as she 
travels through the woods to find these ingredients. And I think one of the reasons I really like that connection with Snow White so well is because it's kind of weird that there are two fairy tale characters named Snow White mm-hmm. who have nothing to do with each other. Yes, yeah, and they say they say because you know this world is based on the idea that like your name sets your destiny that people who are named Snow White after that queen all of their destinies have to do with like falling asleep and apples and like the, all these little connections and that actually holds true here like when you think about the two snow whites they have a lot of things in common mm-hmm. besides their names like the, their stories deal with dwarves and they end up with a prince and like all these kinds of things so actually that element is done in a really interesting way yeah so i i really liked that i liked that little nod but yeah so she red becomes terrified of this idea that her grandmother's going to die and her granny is sick but like that idea kind of comes a little bit out of nowhere that's not a critique on the storytelling it's just that's how kids think yeah and so for me her fixating on that was like perfectly acceptable because she's like 12 and her grandmother's her whole world and so she becomes absolutely terrified because at one point she asked granny if granny was okay and said something about like you know are you gonna die and granny's response was something like well we're all gonna die eventually yeah it it is a central theme in this book which is something that it's i i think is really interesting about like fairy tale retellings in general using the idea of like death and grief because i I think of um grounded the adventures of rapunzel by Mm -hmm. megan morrison and that you know centers a lot around the idea of like being afraid of death and then i also just read ash by melinda lowe and a central theme of that is not necessarily like fear of death but grief as well so i think i am encountering a lot of fairy tale retellings right now that are using the fairy tale to explore the idea of like the fear of death and grief and all this. So I, I just think that's really interesting. Well, and in the edition that I have, uh, it's probably mm-hmm. in all the editions. Um, yeah, her author's note at the end kind of explains that she was, she was really close with her grandmother and she was trying to write this story and she was struggling with it. And then her grandmother actually passed away while she was writing the manuscript. And her dealing with that loss and that grief is what kind of gave this story its focus. And so I think you can definitely, like, if you know that backstory, you can definitely see that playing out in the journey that Red goes on. And so she's trying to find the ingredients for this cure-all potion. And at one point she's like, oh, okay, well... Maybe I should send a message to my parents and let them know what's going yeah. on. Oh, but first she meets First Goldie. she meets Goldie. So Goldie is the whole reason that Granny was wearing the wolf disguise because she's like, some chatty girl was here and she wanted this potion. She wanted a love potion. And so Red meets Goldie and they kind of end up pairing up even though they're like very... Uh, Red is annoyed by Goldie, let's say, because Goldie is a chatterbox. Yeah. And I feel that in my soul. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm not a chatterbox. I'm not a chatterbox. As people who are talking on a podcast right now, but <laughs> in, in real life, I don't mind these circumstances. I don't mind talking with a purpose. I don't mind talking about Definitely. something I'm passionate about. I don't like small talk um, at all. Uh, Hate it. I'm so bad at small talk. I'm bad at it and I don't <laughs> like it. Meeting new people is a nightmare. It's like, let's talk about something substantial or let's not talk at all. Mm-hmm. And I am perfectly yeah. fine just sitting in silence. That's that's fine I for me. I am as well. So, I am as well. But, but Goldie is not that way. And what, what I love about Goldie is she's completely indefatigable. Red is like trying to convince her to go away. Like, I'm going to do this thing. Oh, well, I'll help you. I was going to do it on my lo- on my own. Well, yeah, but now you have me and it'll be great. And it's like she can't take a hint. It's a Shrek and Donkey relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yes, like you were saying, they start looking for a gnome because Red, in this world, gnomes are used to send messages to people. So Red went to send a message to her parents about Granny's health. And instead of finding a gnome, they find a dwarf. And as we know from Grump, in this world, if you grab a dwarf by the beard, which Red just happens to do... 
they have to obey your command. Yeah, so she grabs this dwarf by the beard. He's not very pleasant. Spoilers. This is Borlin <laughs> from Grump. This is Borlin. It's Grump. Yeah. <laughs> Although, like, I gotta say, I could tell that she wrote this novel first. Yeah, there's a couple he, things that don't quite. It doesn't quite match up. up. His characterization yeah. in this novel doesn't match where we left him. Yes, at the I end agree. of Grump. Yeah, and it's it fine. It's where okay. We meet him. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's just like. But having like read Grump not that long ago, I was like, this feels backwards. Yeah. It feels a little backwards. This feels like it feels like it takes place before Grump. Yeah. In terms of Borlin as a character. Yeah. But it's it's okay. Um That's fine. And so yeah, it's Borlin and and she asks him to tell her how she can find a way to immortality for her grandmother. And he yes. says, There are three that I know of. And I can tell you how to find one of them, but you have to choose which one. And so he tells her there is the magic hearts. There is the enchanted rose and there's the wine well. Yes. And, and each one of these has a catch, but she ultimately asks for directions to the wine well. And so off they go. They're headed for the wine well Um, on the way there. And actually, earlier in the book, they have come across Horst, the huntsman, Mm -hmm. who is also from Grump. Um, So they're kind of seeing him along the way as well, um, which obviously is going to be important to the overall Little Red Riding Hood story. Um, But on the way there to the Winewell, Red and Goldie get into a fight about magic and they split off and Red accidentally leaves her cloak behind. And so uh, that night she she's trying to start a fire, but she can't do it. And she's getting really cold. And all of a sudden the wolf appears and he has brought her cloak to her. And so the, the cloak protects her and keeps her warm overnight. And what we kind of gradually learn is that the cloak is like a protective spell. If she's wearing the cloak, she is protected from harm. And so in this case, it includes the cold of the forest. Yes. And is this where she bonds to Wolf? Or does that happen later? They definitely talk about witches being able to bond with certain animals at this point. But she doesn't And do so it Red yet. starts to wonder if she is drawn to the wolf mm-hmm. as like a familiar. But she doesn't bond she doesn't with him do it yet. yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So in the morning, Red is looking for some food and she finds a hive And she's going to get some honey. And then she ends up accidentally in between a mama bear and her cub. Right. And of course, Goldie is there as well because there's bears involved and she's she can find gold things, which includes honey. So she yeah, they're like in this fight where they need to escape from the bears. And by the time they get away, she's like, the bears were scratching at me, but I'm fine. And the cloak is fine because, again, the cloak is a protective spell. Yeah. So she apologizes to Goldie and is like, I want you to travel with me. We're going to go find the wine well. And so eventually they make it to the wine well and they find this old woman. Yeah. Well, she's actually a young woman. When they find her. And, and yeah, they call her the well witch. So they find the well, they meet the well witch, and basically what ends up happening is they they realize that every time the well witch drinks the wine from the well, she she becomes younger. But when you become younger, you lose any memories you've had since the moment you became younger. So she keeps like meeting them over and over and over and keeps forgetting who they are, forgetting their names. And um, they eventually decide not to use this wine for Granny, but before they go, unfortunately, Goldie takes a sip of the wine because she's revealed at this point that the the reason she wanted the love potion, Red thought that that was like this vapid thing that she's trying to find the love potion to make a boy fall in love with her, and she thinks that's stupid. But she learns that Goldie actually wants the love potion for her her mother because she feels like now that the gold is gone from the mountain her mother loves her less because she can't help make them rich and can't help them find gold for the king. 
And so that's why Goldie wants this love potion. But she thinks, oh, maybe if I drink the wine, I'll be younger because my mother loved me when I was little. So if I just reverse this, I will, you know, she'll love me again. And unfortunately, she only drinks enough to, like, forget that she and Ren have become friends now. And um, so they end up fighting again because Goldie drank the wine. Yep. And Goldie ends up running away because Red is a witch and she's not supposed to be around her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This is when Red now encounters the wolf. And this is when she speaks this charm that kind of bonds them. Yeah. So every witch has a familiar. Once they find them, they can say this charm and bond together. I really liked this because we have redefined mm-hmm. the wolf in this story. And he's not the bad guy. He's not the villain. He's not the danger. He's actually Red's companion and protector. Yeah. And I, I liked that twist because it's not a direction we often go with retellings of Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, I mean, it's casting the villain in a positive light, which is a common thing in fairy tales, but I don't think it's super common in Little Red Riding Hood unless you're making the wolf a werewolf and he's the like love the love interest, interest. Which is not right, the case yeah. here. No, no, it's a real wolf. Yeah, and so eventually Red comes upon Goldie again and Goldie is by the river and there are river sprites in the river who are like sirens and want to like drown you. And Red had warned Goldie about this the first time they encountered them, but that is something Goldie has now forgotten. And so she lets the sprites take her into the river and so Red has to go rescue her. And so she saves Goldie from drowning. And so they make up and they decide to be friends again. And that's when Horst shows up. Yes, Horst the Horst, <laughs> Horst the Huntsman shows up again. And he has been talking to the girls periodically and saying like, hey, if you see that big wolf walking around, let me know because I got to take care of him. Because um, that's what I do. I'm a huntsman to keep everybody safe. So let me know if you see the wolf so I can take care of it. Right. And and they see him. He's like this really old man, like really, like she says, old is not enough. Like ancient is the word. He is so old. And they see him push over a tree with his bare hands and cross the river. And then Wolf is like, this is bad. He's like communicating that horse is a monster. And so they dress him up in like Red's apron and Granny's shawl and hat so that they pretend that he is Granny so that Horst will not recognize him. Brilliant. It's so smart. Because again, you have those elements of the story. So now we have Wolf Uh dressed up as Granny, but it's not Red they're tricking. It's the Huntsman. Right. So uh, they they eventually, they leave Horst, they find Borlin the dwarf again in one of Horst's wolf traps, and they set him free, but in exchange for another favor. So Red takes him by the beard again, and requests this time to be taken to the Red Roses, which is the second of the um, three ways of achieving immortality. And she says, you take um, me there. Like, don't just give me directions like you did last time, like you lead me there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he leads them through the dwarf mines because that's going to be the fastest way to get there. And so this is when we learn that he is Borlin and um, there's like a cave-in and Red's cape once again protects them from the cave-in and they meet Borlin's parents and they go to stay with them for a little bit. And this is where we get the Goldilocks story. Yeah, a little which bit. Which I think is a little, a little bit of a stretch for me here. Yeah, and and I don't mind it so much because... We're not really retelling Goldilocks. Like, yeah. yes, we're we're incorporating the elements of Goldilocks here in this scene. But the book isn't meant to be a Goldilocks retelling. And so I'm like, eh, okay, fine, whatever, I'll accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, like, serve this porridge and she's like, this one's too hot, this one's too cold, this one's just right. It's like that kind of sequence with the chairs too. With the chairs, the, the beds. And this is where Red kind of comes to realize, like – what a horrible thing it is to actually take a dwarf by the beard and force them to do your bidding. Yeah. And she feels bad that she's done it to Borlin and she apologizes. Um, which I thought was a nice little little moment of growth. Yeah, yeah. And we also learned that Borlin is the dwarf from Snow White and Rose Red. So he knows 
Red's grandmother from a long time ago when he was the dwarf in that situation. I just like and, the idea that it's the same dwarf through all of these. It's the same dwarf same through, dwarf through Snow White, stories. Snow White and Rose Red, um, and now here with Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood, yeah. it's great. Um, and it like all of my books are still in boxes. My library is not unpacked yet from the move, which is right. upsetting because in one of those boxes is my copy of Grump. And I want to check the end of it because, like, the epilogue of Grump is him encountering some child. And I want to know if that child is supposed to be Granny. Oh, oh that's interesting. I, um, I I borrowed it from the library when we did it. So I might have to borrow it again Yeah, to check on that because that would be cool. Because I remember the epilogue is, like, after Snow White has died. And he's yeah. out in the human world, yeah. and he gets captured by the beard by a small child, and he's like, "Well, might as well go be. do this." Yeah, and I think it's supposed to be Granny, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, it must be, and we didn't know that then. And Granny has given Red like this ruby ring, and she gives it to Borlin as like a a thank you. And Borlin doesn't eat it; he just keeps it. And at first I was thinking, oh, it's the ruby from Snow White. But the stories are backwards. It, it It's not the ruby that was in the apple. Yeah. You know what I mean? In Grump. At first I thought it was. But it might but that happened be two centuries we don't know ago. what happened to that ring. Do we know what happened to that ring? I I, I don't remember. I don't know. I have to, I have to unpack Again, my books and find it. we to check the end of Grump. It. Yeah. Um, because I think it's connecting in a smart way that I'm missing because it's been too long since I read it. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Borlin is the dwarf in everything, and he so he leads them the next morning out of the dwarf mines and to the enchanted castle, um, mm-hmm. and it's they need the red rose and they see all these roses in this rose maze that aren't red and they keep going deeper and deeper and Wolf is like, mm, nope, this is not a good idea. We should not be <laughs> here. This is very dangerous and we should leave. And Red's like, will you calm down? Everything's fine. We just gotta, we gotta get the cure for Granny. It's gonna be cool. Don't worry about yeah, it. This doesn't seem suspicious or dangerous no. at all. So they just keep going until they come to like these hedges that are blocking off a certain portion of the garden. And so they, they climb through the hedges and inside are the red roses. And so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to prick your finger on one of the thorns. And when the blood drops to the ground and becomes part of the earth, you then become immortal. So Red plucks one of the red roses, but before they can get out of there, they are attacked by gargoyles. And a ferocious beast who goes, why are you stealing my roses? Mm-hmm. Again, beautiful tie-in. Very well done. Yeah, yeah. And the beast is like, Red is begging the beast for one of the roses, but he refuses. And then she mentions Granny's name. She mentions the words Rose Red. And so he, like, kind of stops everything, takes Red and Goldie into the castle. Um, they dine with the beast, and then he makes them their servants. They they have to wash dishes. They have to do all these chores for, like, three days. And then after that time, they find the beast in the library one day, and he tells them a story about this beautiful princess who asked a witch to make her immortal. And the witch covered the castle with all of these roses and told her, you know, prick your finger on the red rose and it will make you immortal. But when the princess did that, she turned into a beast. And the beast is the princess. And the witch is rose red i love it and it's interesting to watch red learn these things about her grandmother and have to kind of come to terms mm. with like um i've she, always thought that is, my grandma was like a good witch and yeah, doing good yeah, things this is not a perfect person this person took a dwarf yeah. by the beard and transformed a princess and doomed her to eternity as a beast and yeah and and it's not eternity there is a way to break the curse yes um yeah, yeah, because that night Red follows the beast back to the library and into this secret hall of mirrors behind a bookshelf. And in the mirrors, the beast is reflected as a beautiful woman. And she tells Red her name used to be Beauty. And the way to break the curse is to love life more than she fears death. 
Yeah, which I thought is really interesting. Yeah, especially in a story that is centered around the theme of death and immortality and grief. It's it's a, you know, it's a good lesson to be learned. I don't know if I love this as a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. I think it's an interesting way to loop in Beauty and the Beast in a retelling of Little Red. But if, if I don't know if I would be interested in reading... I, I don't know. I just don't know if it I don't. Works. Yeah, I don't know that I would either. But again, I think for me, we get all these like nods to these stories, but it's not necessarily like the version of the story. It's see, I, I feel like Liesl Shirtlift does a really good job of like saying like, this is the full Snow White story, including the ending with the way the apple works. This is the full Little Red story, but we're learning all this other stuff. And Rump and Jack are the same, where it's like all of the story is all there. There's just all this other stuff between. And even the way that she has incorporated Snow White and Rose Red, the same way, like it's all there. That story is all there. And this is not Beauty and the Beast at all. This is, there's a beast element, there's a beauty element, but the rest of the story is completely different. Right. And and I think that that is deliberate in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's fine because this isn't a Beauty and the Beast retelling, ultimately. Right. But yeah, it I didn't, don't know. I, I just liked, felt like, uh... I don't know that I'd want to read the full version of that Beauty and the Beast either. But I, I think it serves its purpose here in for this Red's story. story. Sure. Yeah. Especially to be like another lesson about death. And this one is actually coming from Granny in a way. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. And, and that's one of the things that she struggles with all the time, Red does, because all of these people are telling her, like, listen, people die. Life ends. Maybe yeah. your granny is sick enough that she's going to die, like, and that's going to happen and you're going to have to deal with it. And Red's like, nope, I don't have to deal with it. I can find immortality <laughs> and it's going to be fine. And so she refuses to acknowledge that possibility. Yeah, and so then... Goldie then arrives because she's followed them there. And then they're like looking in the mirrors and they see a figure approaching. And it's Horst the Huntsman. And he shoots an arrow at the beast. And that like shatters the glass and all of a sudden Horst is there in the room with them. And the gargoyles arrive to fight them and they accidentally knock out Red. Yeah. And when she wakes up, She's being cared for by Horst and Goldie. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's mad because the Beast had agreed to let them go. Like, she wasn't going to keep them prisoner anymore. She had told them that they were free to leave. And that's when Horst came and was, like, attacking her. And Red was trying to tell him, like, she's not a danger. We're not her prisoners. We're free to go. Please stop attacking. And he didn't listen. So, yeah. So now she's got this head wound. And uh, they're in Horst's hut. Yeah. And he reveals now that he is Snow White's Huntsman, which if you read these books in order, you obviously would not necessarily know that yet. Um, and he tells his story about how when he brought the boar's heart to the queen, she left him in the dungeon and the boar's heart, she like brought it to him and forced him to eat it. And it gave him life and gave him strength. And so he was able to then escape from the dungeons. And he's continued to kill animals. And by killing them, he's able to, you know, develop this supernatural strength. And wolves would give him, like, extended life for years. But in order to do that, he needs to kill the whole pack. And earlier, Red visited Wolf's den and found out from Wolf that all of his his pack has been killed except for him. He's the only one left. And so that's why Horst is so determined to find the wolf and kill him, because it will bring him, like, eternal life. And this, of course, is the third path to immortality. Yes. The magic hearts. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it turns out the Huntsman was the bad guy all along, which was not mm-hmm. difficult to figure out. Yeah, no, it's not like a total surprise, but yeah, it's a good twist on the story. It is a good twist on the story. So they manage to get away, they escape, and they find their way back to Grammys. And at first, they, they get there, and there's a wolf in the bed. And at first, Red thinks that Granny is in her wolf disguise again, but it turns out it's not Granny. 
It's Horst. He beat them back and disguised himself as the wolf. And he tries to kill Red, but she refuses to give him wolf. And she ultimately is able to finally cast a spell. And the spell is to protect herself from Horst. And he kind of like turns to stone. And then that stone crumbles to dust. And they have defeated Horst the Huntsman. Yes. But at this point, she's very worried because she's she's terrified that her granny is dying because she's found her path. So she left her path when she went off uh, with Goldie to find these immortality cures. And now she's back in the part of the woods where her path should be, but it's like spotty and it's going in and out. And yeah. she's terrified that means that granny's dying because that means her magic is dying with her. Right. So Goldie, like, runs away during this fight, and she brings Red's parents back to Granny's cottage, and they are able to take Red home so she can, like, rest and recover from this ordeal, traumatizing event. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Red tries to, like, sneak out because she wants to go find the wolf. But Granny catches her and she has this really nice conversation with Granny where Granny explains that, you know, everyone who she's met through her adventure, the well witch and the beast and horse, the huntsman, they all sought to live forever because because they were afraid. But there's no reason to be afraid, she says. She's like trying to teach Red that like death is is something that's just going to happen. It's part of life. It's part of what makes us human. And it's not something to be afraid of. And that's like a hard conversation to have in a middle grade novel. Absolutely. And it's done really well. And it's also important to note that Granny is not dying. She literally just, she just had a cold and Red, you know, blew it out of proportion. But this is still a really important conversation to have. And it's a conversation kids need to have. And I thought it was handled very, very well. In this novel. Yeah, me too. And we also yeah. learn one of my favorite things at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because Red's like, but I knew that you were dying because your path kept going in and out. And Granny's like, that's not my path. That's your path. You made that path <sighs> for yourself when you were three years old. Like, that's why I'm always telling you, you're a powerful witch and you can do these magics. You just need practice because you did this really complicated magic instinctively as a child. And I loved that. It's so good. It's so good as a story element and a character element. And it's also so good as a metaphorical element yeah. of like, you created your own path. When you were afraid, you lost that path. And here at the end, Red promises not to be afraid anymore. Or not to be afraid when Granny dies. She yeah. says, I-, I will not be afraid. And and that reaffirms her path and like lets the path be there once again and it's like oh so good so smart so smart and after a while she finds wolf again and he's now found a mate and she knows she kind of understands instinctively that he's not her wolf he was never her wolf um the bond Mm -hmm. will always be there but he's not like a pet he's not tame he's got to go live his life uh same as she has to do yeah, so, yeah, she, the, she finds out that the wolf gets a mate, and they have children, and they're developing a new pack, and, um, you know, she kind of ponders about, like, I hope one day that I'll see the beast again, and I hope I'll see Borlin again, but for now, she's happy to stay with Granny and to learn from her so that she, you know, will still be alive within Red when she does eventually yeah. pass, and um, that is That's the, book. the story. I really liked it. I really liked this one. Yeah, I did too. Um, I thought it used the story elements in clever ways. It kind of mixes it all up. You see, like, Granny dressed as the wolf. You see the wolf dressed as Granny. You see Horse dressed as Granny as the wolf. Like, uh, all that whole, you know, element of the story is there. The way they develop the relationship between Red and the wolf is really unique. Yeah. It's just, uh, I thought it was a good one. Yeah, overall, really well done. Uh, so let's hold it up against our criteria. Yeah, let's look at it. So our first criteria is to give Little Red realistic human intelligence, make her a more developed character. I mean, absolutely. This is really well done. And she's like, she's stubborn and defiant mm-hmm. and a little bit unpleasant sometimes. And I really love that uh, because yeah. she's not like this this perfect childhood innocence that you see a lot 
from Little Red Riding Hood interpretations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I like a sassy, sarcastic Little Red. I mean, listen, I grew up on Into the Woods, so I come by it naturally. But... <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, but this Red is a flawed character, and I don't think she ends the book having, like, completely resolved all of her flaws, but she's resolved, like, a major thing that she needed to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. So I love the way that she's characterized throughout this novel. Me too. Our second criteria is to develop the world, answer all of your questions about the wolf. Why do they talk? Why does the wolf want to eat humans? Why is the wolf easily mistaken for granny? All that kind of stuff. How do you feel that that was all addressed? I feel like the way that this world is built to facilitate the answers to those questions is really smart. Mm-hmm. I have no lingering questions left over about yeah, that's a good point. the world and about the way that this story fits into it. She did a really, really good job of addressing all of that. Yeah. I yeah. buy it 100% awesome. and I enjoy seeing the way that she twisted and, and fit things together, especially the the way she put the wolf into the story. Yeah. Really love that. Yeah. Uh, our third criteria is to include the element of deception involving the wolf and granny and that's definitely there i mean we just talked about it it's there yeah. several times actually and in several I think different ways yeah and and each way is like unique the first time it this is granny's way of just keeping strangers away and then the second one is this is our way of protecting the wolf from the huntsman and then the third way is that this is the way that the huntsman ultimately initiates his final attack on red and the wolf so i think it's cool that that scene is actually there three different times and used in three completely different ways yeah well that leads us right into our our final point which is to address that final moral of the story and look at how this interpretation has repurposed that what do you think about that i i like the message that this book leaves you with, it's not really a message that's inherent to Little Riding Hood. It's definitely a message that Liesl Shirtliff wanted to put out into the world and she used her retelling of Red Riding Hood to do it. But I think that that works very well. I'm happy with that recontextualization. I feel like it's a strong message and the story serves its purpose. Yeah, I, I think it's so smart to use this story the story of little red riding hood to examine the idea of like grief and the fear of death because of the relationship between little red riding hood and grandmother that is so unique to this fairy tale most fairy tales are not looking at grandparents but not all of us but many people have to deal with that at some point in our lives we have to deal with the idea that our grandparents are going to leave us and so i I just think that's that's so smart to use this particular fairy tale to look at that part of life. Absolutely. And I think that Little Riding Hood connects to it in an interesting way as well, because you do have that like death element or that near death element of Mm -hmm. they get eaten by a wolf and then they're fine. But like you have to, you have to assume that that's going to impact this small child for, you know, time to come. Yeah. I would be interested to see, because I think most Red Riding Hoods don't include that element. You know, the, the retellings don't use the idea of, like, them actually mm-hmm. literally being eaten by the wolf and coming out of that alive. It would be cool to see a version that does and that explores that. Like, you know, we talk about Into the Woods a lot. But Into the Woods includes that part of the story. But you don't really look too deep into it about how they're able to survive. We're not exploring... Little Red's psychological trauma so much afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It would be really interesting to see one that does, that looks at how were you able to be eaten by a wolf and come out, out come out of that alive? How is it even possible? And right. what are the repercussions of that? I don't think I, I know of any version that does. I, I, I think most versions are just like, that's a weird, impossible detail, so yeah, let's Yeah, it makes it. me think about uh, how I would maybe retell the story. Yeah, but we're exactly. not there yet. That's a different We're not episode. there yet, no. Yeah. And then, of course, my, my bonus points criteria, yes. which is yeah. be more creative than a werewolf. And we are in this version. 
Yeah. Again, yeah. as I said so before, I really like how she incorporated the wolf and what she did with that. Yeah, I like that he's a real wolf. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on Red by Liesl Shirtliff? I really liked this one. I thought it was very, very well done. It's going to be yeah. one of my go-to Little Red Riding Hood recommendations. Yeah, yeah. I think Little Red is interesting when it comes to books because there are some versions that I think adapt it really well and some that just totally miss the point. Speaking of which, next week, <laughs> we will be talking about Crimson Bound by Rosamond Hodge. A very different take on the fairy tale, one that neither you nor I have read before. So it'll be interesting to see how a YA adaptation of Little Red holds up. They have compared it to Akatar for sure. And Akatar is a court of thorns and roses thorns for anyone roses. who is unfamiliar. Yes. Um, they've compared it to that. They've compared it to a couple of other YA book series that I don't like. So we're going to see. I'm going to try not to let that color my opinion going into it. Listen, sometimes I think that some of the best episodes of this podcast are the ones that we get on here and we just did not like the thing. So maybe we just will not like the thing. And maybe we will like the thing. Who knows? I will say when I was doing my blog review project, uh, the most fun reviews to write were the books that I hated. Yeah. Because yeah. I just get snarky. It's the mediocre books, the ones that we're like, man, take it or leave it. Those are the boring episodes. Let's let's yeah. either love it or let's hate it. And we'll have fun either way. Yeah. So join us uh, next week for Crimson Bound by Rosamund Hodge. And in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you think about the podcast. Please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find a set of slippers and spindles. If you have specific things you'd like to say to us, you can email us at ofslippersandspindles at gmail.com. Yeah, email us. We love getting emails from people. It's so much we fun. We do. Yeah, and of course, if you'd like to help us out, just leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It goes such a long way to help other people find us. And I think that's all we have for you this week. Until next time, friends. Bye. So they find the well, they meet the well witch, and the well witch keeps talking about, like, Albert or something like that. And uh, I want to know what Albert's destiny was. What does that name mean? Right. What happens if you have a normal name? (laughs) 